podcast you are currently listening to is called Bad Playstyle, in which we all play the same video game and then talk about it, during the course of which we will swear a ton and probably spoil every single aspect of the video game. Welcome to Bad Playstyle. Uh, my name is Matt. With me, as always, is Owen Keenan, and we are here to talk about Frostpunk. But before we can do that, we got a bunch of other stuff to do. Uh, am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. Okay, so uh, we got to talk about what we've been playing lately, besides Frostpunk, um, which I actually played quite a bit ago. Yeah, I, think I got some stuff. Your guys' playthroughs are like much more recent. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys want me to talk about Elden Ring now, or? I mean, I, this seems to be the place in the show. Okay. You yeah, know? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Do like, it, I don't know that I need that. But okay, let's so do it. At this point, I am seventy-five hours into Elden Ring, and I am confident in saying that is a masterpiece. I have okay. I have specific nitpicks about it, but it is the thing I didn't know that all of my hours in Fable games wanted to be oh it is that's interesting it is um it has learned some good lessons from breath of the wild um it could probably learn a few more but you know hey let's not do feature creep right wait um, can you buy real estate in this game you cannot buy real estate in this game um that's a huge part of fable for me it is an enormous part yeah, of fable yeah. there's very like fable the landlord game yep <laughs> Yes, murdering people, buying their houses, and then selling it to their neighbors. That's yeah. definitely a huge part of the Fable experience. There's, I mean, like, obviously it's not like, when I compare it to Fable, I just mean that like, it's, it, you've, you're, you're there, and it's that perspective, and combat's hard, and you affect the world as you go through it. And Is, um, that, is that magical Fable character growth slash attachment in there? Yeah, I think, okay. I, I, like, because I... I don't know if we talked about this on podcast before, but I'm that asshole who restarts an RPG four hours in because I want to redo my build. Right, yeah. right, because uh, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah. But but I didn't want to do that because I was attached to the person who to that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the only reason I would have wanted to do that is in grand FromSoft tradition, the first boss who kills you gives you something special if you kill it back. Right, right. Uh, but you're able to go back to that later. Oh. Um, and and kill him. That's cool. Sorry, spoilers uh, Damn. <laughs> for anybody up. No, there. but I think I think that in a game that is open world and that kind of thing, like I think that needs to be available. I, I wrecked him in like two seconds. It's fantastic. Nice. It's the it's the best iteration I've seen of FromSoft's uh, weapon upgrade system. Okay, uh, and also their weapon art system. So they had weapon arts in DS3. It was like each weapon did something special when you hit LT. Um, oh, so sort of the way uh, Bloodborne weapons like transform, like sort that's of, sort of sort of similar. Okay. Um, so it, what's interesting though is um, Sekiro, right? Um, and this game, Ugh. they share a lot of DNA. God love it, right? So like the po- <laughs> the poise system from Sekiro, that like the stance system, mm-hmm. that's in this little strip down. Okay. But it's in this. So if you do like jump attacks on people, charge attack on people, they will enter like a critical state and you can go up and punch them in the face. Cool. Right. Okay. Um, you can, you can do the Shinobi execution. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, but uh God, what was I saying? I don't remember. It's um Weapon Arts. Oh yeah, the weapon arts. Um so but in this game you can take the weapon arts and put them on um a bunch of other weapons depending and, and there's like class restrictions, like you can't put 
blood stuff on anything that's not a sword. Okay. Generally. But like you can move stuff around. So right that's now. That's cool. So I'm, there's a little customization. I'm using a, um, a, a, a chain flail um, with spike maces on the end with three balls. Um, and it does, it does bleed because it's a spike mace. Which bleeds is fantastic. In this yeah. Game. And then it also does, um, because I put it on it, it does frost buildup. Okay. And now frost so does that when, mean it slows things? Frost, yeah. When you when you proc frost, when you hit someone enough with it, they become frostbitten, which slows them down, which is great for me because I'm bad at action games. No, that sounds really useful uh, in, a, so, in a Souls-like. Yeah. Like, that sounds cool. Um, but the other more important thing that it does is it allows me to stomp the ground and create a triangle of ice. Okay. That then explodes about a second and a half later. Sweet. So if the boss is slow or I'm clever, I can do a fuckload of damage right. to them and also slow them for my friends. Right. So cool. what I've been doing is just is just putting my sign down in front of the one boss I want to know how to kill over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and just being like, I'm going to kill the fuck out of this guy. You know, because it's this catharsis of like, I spent, you know, X number of hours just like slamming my head right. into this boss over and over and over again. And now I have him down and I'm going to show these other guys like, this right. is how you just, this is what worked for me. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, oh, it was the best. Oh, one time I got summoned by a dude. Normally you can summon two people, but he went into the boss with just me. And I was like, oh, you think I can do it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so oh, we, you, we, you think so highly of yeah, me. He thinks really highly of me. Turns out. He's also a stompy boy. So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> we just stood on opposite sides of the boss, stomped at him. And the bosses are, they're better than Dark Souls bosses at like switching aggro and like doing switching aggro attacks. Okay. Like sometimes they'll have a special attack that's like, oh, I've noticed you're hitting me from behind. So I'm going to do this like cool spin. Right. There's more like conditions for mm-hmm. them to. Yeah. So the, yeah. The, it's definitely been thought out in that way more. Cool. Um, but uh, can't wait for the DLC. Nice. Uh, Have they said much about like, what that's going to be? They always make DLC. How, how they make the DLC is that they take all the content they didn't have time to finish and mm. repackage it into a DLC. Sure. Which is which is a great model. No, no, but they but they haven't like alluded no. to what it is yet or anything. But they okay. like the last the last couple. I don't know if Sekiro had any DLC. I don't think it did. Um, I feel like Sekiro was like more baked though, mm-hmm. like at, on launch than the thing. The thing that that blew my mind about Sekiro is that Elden Ring started development before. Sekiro, but Sekiro came out before Elden Ring did. I, I have the feeling that Sekiro has a really tight design doc. Yeah, I feel like they knew what they wanted that game to be, yeah. and I feel like a lot of it's like clearly defined. Is Sekiro like an open world in the same way that Elden Ring is, though? No, because no. like much more Dark Souls. Yeah, because I was about to say like that. That scope probably has to do with a lot. It has yeah. a lot to do with like that kind of development. Because you have to time. learn a lot of those lessons. How right? they like, do level design is very. It, that's one of my nitpicks. Is in Elden Ring they use verticality, a verticality like cudgel, mm-hmm. to enforce you into going into certain ways, mm. um, which is like I would have preferred that they use a different method, but it's like it's better than invisible walls. So hey, um, but there's the the, th- the issue that I have with it is that um, Dark Souls has a reputation for having brutal fall damage because of uh, Dark Souls Two. In Dark Souls Two, you fall like three feet and your knees explode. Uh, and like three quarters of your health gets ripped out, right? Like it's it's honestly it's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen yeah. in a third person action game. Um, and the damage is exacerbated by the weight of all the equipment you're carrying. Um, so obviously, it's a Dark Souls game. You're gonna max out your equipment load for how much you want to roll, right? And then you're gonna roll around and destroy yourself when you go off like three inch ledges, right? right? But in this one, you can fall like 20, 18 feet and be totally fine. 
But which is sort of necessary in an open world of, game, It's sort right? of necessary for the way that the game works, especially with you having a horse that you summon instantly underneath you. It's not a horse, but whatever. I'm going to call it a horse. Um, Mechanically, it's a horse. It's a horse. Um, <laughs> Wait, what is it? It's like a mule deer with antlers. Okay. The, okay. the, the horses in this are like very specific, so it's like, we're not, it's a horse. Okay. We're going to talk about it. Sure, no, sure. <laughs> it functions like a horse. It's, that's it's what matters. Horse. When you said it's not a horse, like you really like set my imagination. <laughs> oh, really? you were the, it's like, is it a tiger? <laughs> <laughs> Although I think you do fight some dudes who are riding on lions. I think okay, that's at cool. some point. So that's, that's cool. Um, but the thing is, like, you fall 20 feet, you're fine. You fall 25 feet, you take like half your HP and damage. You fall 30 feet, you die instantly. So it's a very thin margin between yeah. instant death and being mostly fine, especially considering that, like, Unlike a lot of older Souls titles, the game is tuned that most enemies, if you're in the right area, are going to one or two shot you. And taking a potion, like refilling your health, will al- almost always completely refill your health. So I- any any amount of damage is just like, oh, sip, you know, we're good, right? But instant death, that's a different thing. Yeah, it's harder right? to mitigate, right? Yeah. And, but it's really hard to gauge and... They used to have an item where it's a little glowing pebble, and if you throw it off a cliff, it'll scream if you would die falling off that cliff. <laughs> oh. Who, who makes these? It hits the <laughs> threshold where so you will die and that's screams. Not, okay, that's not the way Dark Souls lore works. <laughs> I can't answer you that question. I'm fairly certain that they're like people that have been turned into a stone. Cause there's I, a lot of shit in Dark Souls. Okay. What I've been learning in us playing Dark Souls is there's a lot of shit made out of people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I just ask because like, I wouldn't mind owning one of those in real life. Yeah, they're pretty cool. <laughs> they're really useful. When I told, like, because it doesn't say that in the tooltip for that item either. It mm-hmm. just says you put this down, it glows, and it's for like letting people know in your game. Oh, this is the way I went. Or it's like, and you know, people being invaded can like set up something cool. But what it's really for is you throw it off of cliffs, and if it screams, you don't go down there. <laughs> don't um, do that one. So it just occurred to me that like something like this in real life wouldn't be as useful as I'm imagining because sure. like if real humans can't jump off of very high heights without yeah. hurting themselves seriously. Yeah. And so it'd be like, oh, yeah, I throw it off my porch. Yeah, of course it screamed. Like, <laughs> yeah. if I jump but, off my porch, I'm going to break a bone. But it's also, like, incredibly convenient in a video it's a, game yeah, it's like It's like Michael looking in the bag. Like, I don't know what I was expecting. Of course it was going to scream. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, if you can handle video game failure repeatedly without, like, breaking your controller... Highly recommend checking it out at some point. It's it's really good. Um, there there's definitely um, a thing that was missing in the Dark Souls formula was not only exploration but mostly optional exploration. Um, it does it, you know it's the, um, the Outer Wilds thing. This yeah. sucks. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Yeah, the, the buy-in yeah. aspect yeah. of it seems which really is not cool. something that the series has had before really right because it's so linear that yeah. you do the I mean, thing and then you do the other thing usually part of the dark souls formula is you reach a certain point and it says okay there's four places you can go fucking pick one right right but there are four dungeons right right so it's and like, then oh, you pick the dungeon you and pick do the which dungeon. linear dungeon you want yeah. to do, right which isn't uh, you can leave the linear yeah. dungeon but you're losing progress if you do that so um yeah anyway that's that's all that's all damn that's it who's next uh, I I have a pretty quick one. I haven't had a lot of time to play a lot of video games lately. I, I just moved into a new apartment, which hopefully it doesn't sound too different in here. But if you're a keen listener at home, maybe you've noticed. Yeah. There's probably probably a little bit of echo on there. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These Some walls seem reverb just here. a little bouncy. Anyway, um, really the only thing I've been playing with like any considerable amount of time has been playing um, 
1990 classic Super Mario World. Oh, wow. Mm, hell yeah. Um, my, my girlfriend and I have been playing through the levels of that game. Um, the game gets really fucking hard. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're trying to do a playthrough where we don't use any of the Star Road skips to like go all the way to the end. Oh, or anything yeah. Like that. Doing, doing it. Yeah. Like, like we're there to play the levels, sure. right? We're not there to roll credits. We're there to play a <laughs> right. bunch of Mario levels. Right. And we're... No, I remember that game has a pretty serious this ain't difficulty a speed run. run it's a weed run yeah. <laughs> it's not about the destination it's the journey yeah. you know yeah um and so like yeah we, we got to the castle on chocolate island and the trouble is that we this is a game we also play like very late at night mm. and it's just like we, we are not like firing on all cylinders yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and just like start getting sloppy and chocolate walking island's work is real too yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we had this like long stretch where um we had like a week and a half where we couldn't get the internet switched on here. Mm-hmm. And so that really restrains the ambitions of what you can do video game wise. Um, like I wanted to play Mario maker. Mario maker is a game that doesn't work or make sense without the internet. Like it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like myriad other games do this too. Like we couldn't get internet in. So we, we, I had to turn my phone into a hotspot <laughs> And my phone, the service I use says, if I go over six gigs of data in a month, it doesn't slow down the data and it's free after that. And I thought, well, that's great. I'm just going to use that as our home internet. Is it also horseshit? No, there is a secret 15 gig threshold that if you hit it, it throttles the internet like uh-huh. a ton. And uh-huh. I, we absolutely hit that threshold. Uh, yeah. And I was like, cool, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. But th- that's kind of all I've been playing. Oh, I have one other thing I want to mention on the podcast. It's a really minor thing. It was a, a very funny, very stupid thing I discovered about Pokemon Go. Okay. I've been playing more of that, too. Oh, big surprise. Um, if you go into the settings on Pokemon Go, there's a checkbox. And I believe it's checked on by default. Where um, It's either checked on or checked off, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is that th- this one toggle is switched one way, and it really needs to be switched the other way by default. <laughs> Pokemon Go... Um, by default, will not use your device's screen refresh rate. It will use its own idea of what the refresh rate will be. And maybe if you're lucky, you'll have a phone that matches that refresh rate. But if you toggle that box, the game runs fucking smooth as butter. What the fuck? Yeah. That's frustrating. And apparently it's been here for like years. Yeah, but just like under the API. No, it's like it's like just literally in your settings. It's oh, been there okay. the whole not maybe not the whole time, but it's been there for a very long time, from what I can tell. That's so stupid. I, I discovered it in a thread where someone was like, "PSA, this is going on," and everyone came in the comments to say, "Shut up, everyone knows this." It was like, "Well, I don't. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah I fucking." That sounds didn't. like my entire every Reddit experience I've ever yeah, had. Yeah. So uh. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to share that. I was just I was flabbergasted yeah. when i found it i've i've always hated the online reflex to shout old mm-hmm. information you already know just close the fucking tab yeah yeah just move on you. yeah anyway whatever yeah or if you have an add-on provided right like fuck yeah okay is that yeah is that yeah, you? yeah that's kind of all i've had okay I'm, i just didn't want to start if you weren't done no no by all means okay uh i think the thing that like actually deserves talking about because like hunt is hunt i keep playing hunt um uh, special ammo's cool yeah, special anyway. ammo's really cool <laughs> anyway. uh yeah no that that game continuously improves in a way that's rad yeah. but uh the destiny 2 expansion came out and um so, something about a witch or a queen yeah or witch queen yeah witch queen uh so so narratively we've been sort of wandering around this character who's like the god of lies in destiny for a while okay and 
it has become a pointed need to deal with her. Sure. Um, <laughs> and so Destiny is on all of its bullshit in this expansion in a way that's really fun. Uh, but you basically go into... Uh, she, she's enough of a uh, godlike character that she has what's called a throne world, which is like, it's a pocket dimension that's also your phylactery. Okay. Uh, so like, we can kill her outside of her throne world all we want, and she shows up in her throne world sure. again. But if you kill her in her throne world, yeah, yeah. it's so, like a Rakshasa. You gotta kill yeah. him out here, then go kill him in hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but the whole narrative device that's happened is that she has stolen the light, and now there are uh, enemy characters with our superpowers. Wait, what does light mean in this context? The light is the space magic that all your characters okay. have. Um, she so took, she took the force. She she put herself in a position to gain the force. Is okay. is what narratively ended up happening, but um. It means that you're fighting dudes who are doing, like, your own superpowers against you, and it really shifts the way the shooting and the fights feel, because you suddenly have to deal with shit you're used to doing to them. Right. Um, well, it's, it, it makes you have to think like a PvPer. Yeah, yeah. With PvP, PvE health bars. Right, and yeah. still, like, all the little ads and everything around them, too. Yeah. And and so it does this really cool thing, and then the thing I love about it is they have... The, the whole mechanic that the light works in in Destiny is that you have a ghost, which is this little robot guy who comes out and reses you yeah, when you, have you die. Stand. You have a JoJo stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he pops out and, and picks you up off the ground when you die and, like, says a little quip or whatever. Um, and the way you kill a guardian is you kill their ghost and then you kill them because now they can't resurrect. Right. So the way you kill hive guardians is you kill them and then their ghost pops out and then you fucking crush their ghost in your hand. And everyone had a real squick feeling about it the first time they did it. <laughs> because it's... It's that it's that on purpose narrative thing of like look in the fucking mirror, right? Like, um, but I also had this weird moment as a player. I was like, nah, because these dudes are still the genocidal assholes that are the villains that we deal with, and dude needs to die because he wants to kill everyone I know. Sure, but that but like like that's the point. Right? Yeah, Bungie's trying to make you think about like this is what it looks like when you die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and also also that like it's actually not as hard situationally as we've made it right that that it reminds you of your fragility as a character is a really interesting thing but they're gonna kill kate six again like i said uh, yeah they actually dropped a a lore page about kate eight okay which is like a weird definitely lying thing um (laughs) but but yeah it's it's uh it's really narratively cool and then they've just been doing a lot of because we're in the the god of lies pocket dimension there's a lot of like mechanics where like you walk up and you hit a button to activate, like, reveal vision, and then, like, new platforms show up and a new sure. way shows up and stuff. So it's it's cool and it's neat. And so it's a lot of fun. I have a question about, about this thing of crushing people's ghosts in your hand. Yes. So this isn't something that can literally happen to you mechanically, right? Not the, the, currently, the, Like, no. your, your ghost, like, is safe. Yeah. Y- y- like, you're not going to get geeked by some guy in this dungeon and it's going to, like, delete your <laughs> destiny the, character. No, it won't do the Kojima god, god fucking okay. smack fucking cowards. Um... <laughs> Somebody get their perp sharded by Kojima? Right. <laughs> well, no, because Kojima at one point mentioned that he wanted a, a he the, wanted the self-destructing make, game. Yeah, yeah, he wanted yeah. the self-destructing game where when you hit the fail state in a stealth game, the game explodes. That like you can't play the game anymore because you died. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, we have that. It's called the elusive target in yeah. Hitman. It's fine. Well, or like there was yeah. a there was a European extreme mode where the game starts over if you get caught in well, Metal you Gear. You have to manually delete your save. Right. But, yeah. but like, yeah. So. Um, not quite that hardcore, but like the narrative of Destiny is moving along. And then the other thing that's really fun about it is until recently, I've always played Destiny solo. <laughs> but I played this entire expansion with two friends of mine. 
And that game is very different when you are in a group. And I'm actually playing a completely different class than what I soloed around in. Mm. Partly because that was already taken in this group. You, but can, partly... you can sort of like tactically think around your friends. Yeah, yeah. And it makes a lot of the... I picked the support class this time. Sure. And it makes a lot of those powers make a lot more sense. Mm. Whereas like they don't necessarily do a whole lot if you're just buffing yourself with them. Right. So it's cool. I like it. That's like the big thing I've been playing. I've been playing a bunch of other weird shit. I popped into Homeworld again. The original Homeworld? Yeah. And then I popped into Homeworld Deserts of Karak, which is like the prequel desert DLC. It's really is, weird playing 2D Is it Homeworld. DLC? I thought it was its own game. Yeah, sorry, not DLC. But I, I popped into that because I wanted to see like what the narrative was like. Mm-hmm. Um, Homeworld's big on prophecies, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of their vibe. Yeah, because uh, like, like them fleeing like the destruction of the... Uh, yeah. The, so, so Deserts of Karak is about finding the ship in the desert yeah, so yeah, you yeah. can flee the planet that's dying. Yeah, like, it's it's a whole thing. But uh, I wanted to play it because, like, I saw that Homeworld 3 was announced, and I was like, I want to I wanna feel that vibe again for a minute. Because uh, I'm excited. I think that's going to be cool. I'm, I'm interested to see how someone makes an RTS in 2022. Yeah. I mean, it's, they do it. Yeah. Like, RTSs do come out. Okay. Well, I'm interested in what that looks yeah. like, because I don't know yeah. what that looks like. Yeah. So, that's part of why I wanted to play. Yeah. Well, especially correct. Homeworld, because it, like, deviates from the form a little bit. It's, like, mm-hmm. always in motion, you know? It's really interesting if you look at... So, Blackbird Interactive is the company that's been doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make Hard Space Shipbreaker, which is actually, like, narratively way before Homeworld, but in the same universe. Mm. Um, but they also made Deserts of Karak, and I think one of the... I think they might have initially done the remasters. So, like, they've been dealing with this thing a lot. Um, And they definitely nailed the vibe of Homeworld and Deserts of Correct, but they definitely, like, stepping-stoned their way to Homeworld 3 because Deserts of Correct is a 2D game that uses most of the, like, UI features and ideas of Homeworld. Yeah, I remember they were like, we made a 2D game. Get over it. Yeah, but it it does the same thing where... You remember how Homeworld is all about, like, rock, paper, scissors, about sending the right... I've never played a Homeworld game. Okay, well, the big, like, mechanic thing that homeworld one did was that everything's sort of a rock paper scissors battle of like this long range unit deals with these units what's, uh, what's the nintendo rpg that does that with speared swords and axes the, the uh, triangle fire emblem fire emblem yeah yep. um but it, it's that sort of thing where where you're supposed to tactically work out sending the right things at the other things mm-hmm. and if you don't there are consequences right sure. so um that's sort of the micro macro juggle of that game it's not about like hero units or power or anything it's about like composition yo put the artillery in the back and let these guys run the middle and you know like yeah. that kind of thing put so skirmishers in the front right yeah. yeah um throw pile them at the enemy yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally shield up <laughs> all that um fight a neck so it's really cool watching them like work that out in-house in these other games mm. so that they can do whatever they're gonna do in homeworld 3 because they've already like mastered the sort of basic ideas of these games it's always then... nice when um because like the thing in the video game industry is always like, oh, take this IP, do a new thing with it. Right. right? Like, you know, um, thing you know, but and. Yeah. Right? But it's always nice when you see a video game studio get to iterate on their their ideas. Yeah. As far as like game, the way the gameplay works. Right. Right. Um, right. And they've sort of bridged that in that yeah. they've picked up this thing that did exist and figured out how that works for them. And then, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm excited about it. All right. I think it's time for uh, Frostpunk. Yeah. Um, how'd you guys like Frostpunk? 
should I synopsis this pot Frostpunk? Yeah, what the fuck is Frostpunk? What the fuck is Frostpunk? Frostpunk is a city management game, but it is set in a post-apocalypse wherein it is a new ice age in like the early 1900s, I would say. It's uh, I think they said it's like 1880. Yeah, so it's like not it's 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 like early industrial era, I would mm-hmm. say. It's like where where it fits in. Um, and so the the whole so we do this instead of World War One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole narrative conceit of the game is that like the world has frozen over and and um, everyone has like holed up in places with a giant fucking coal furnace yeah. in the middle of town, and you have to build a town around the coal furnace and keep people warm and I think juggle it's, resources. It's really it's really slick to make your city management game not on a grid but on. Uh, concentric rings yeah um, especially yeah. since that really uh, lends itself to the math of an expanding city management game where it becomes harder and harder to expand into those concentric yep. rings um, yeah um, and then the yeah so so the game uh the, the base game anyway follows this narrative where um you start with your town and you sort of figure out how to run your town and then some people show up and they're like we need to figure out what happened in winter home which right. is another town sort of far away and that opens up the exploration mechanic in the game for you and then yeah each scenario has like a storyline it's not just you're managing in a vacuum there's a story going on right the 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 way the tutorial sort of works also works in the narrative in a way i thought was interesting well and like within the story like it's not just like an ice age comes and there's just like these generators like this is something that was like seen coming yeah like one of the DLCs is like you build the generators. Yeah, yeah, like like, like a major uh, event of climate change has been developing a yeah. pace for some time, and that the people have like in anticipation of it begun building these enormous generators right. to like try and keep people alive. I guess the plan is to just burn coal forever. Um, it feels like the initial game sort of implies that the storm you go through at the end of your run mm-hmm. is the peak of it. Okay. Like that's what it narratively feels like at least. Is that like the game is like, you did it, hooray <laughs> when you're done. Um it doesn't feel like hooray. Yeah, you're right. But that's this whole game's vibe, right? Sure. Is is that the choices you make have consequences and none of them are great. Um, so that's the thing now, is on like this is a this is a plate spinner. Mm-hmm. That's what type of game it is. Absolutely. It's, it's you're 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 balancing the different plates at the same time. But what differentiated it for me was that um most plate spinners you're reacting to mm-hmm. um, catastrophe. Yeah. In this one, you are predicting. Yeah. To catastrophe and and planning for that. Right. Which and is like, that's like the whole flip the script that the game. That's like its big thing. Yeah. And you can you, if you're paying attention to like the the calendar and things, you can see when the heat's mm-hmm. gonna drop. You can see when the temperature's gonna drop, and you can you know you can try I, and work. I meant I meant I wasn't specifically talking about like. Uh, preparing for like actual natural disasters i was talking more growing pains style yeah disasters. yeah totally yeah. though like yeah, that's like, wrapped up like, oh i'm gonna run out of um coal fields i need to yeah. have a way to get coal so we're gonna get on that technology where we rip coal out of the ground right and that's not infinite either so we got to be looking to the future like you yeah. know and it's just continuously like you're you're thinking ahead yeah or like uh the one that jumped out to me is like towards the end of the game like when you get this like massive group of people that show up on your doorstep and like mm. ask for a refuge and they say like oh also there are many more groups like this coming yeah like like the storm has driven us out we are fleeing the storm and it's like okay so what you're telling me is like i need to build like 100 hospitals yeah. today yeah and then another 100 hospitals <laughs> tomorrow tomorrow yeah. Yeah. and like 
Yeah, well, and, and then even the way the systems interact is interesting because if you can keep the houses and the workplaces warm, people don't get sick. So then you don't need as many hospitals. Yeah. But, you know, it's all the push-pull and the plate spinning of all of that. Well, and that, like in the, that example specifically, like something I found is that like I built like all these like uh, like medical tents or whatever they're called. Yeah. Anyway, like I built a bunch of them to like accommodate the enormous amount of sick people that just showed up. And then like... I want to say like 40 minutes late, 40 minutes later in the game, I realized that like a lot of my people were getting sick from working in not adequately heated medical tents that were also yeah. not tending to anybody because right. everyone had been more or less treated at the point. Like there was some, so there was it had up, created its own problem. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so the medical tents like ended up generating sick people instead of treating them. Yeah. And so I had to like just deactivate a ton of them. Just like go home. Just, yeah. Just, like, yeah. This is no longer house. a service we need. Go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, these were medical tents that had to be built in haste. Yeah. yeah. Go, so, go to the nice timber buildings they built you painstakingly in deference to yeah. other things. Yeah. yeah, and I've like researched a ton of technology into insulating them and heating yeah. them and da, 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 da. It's one of the things I really like about that game is that there's there's every building is toggleable. Mm-hmm. Right? Not just on like the work schedule way that, that you can tech into, but also like you can just turn that building off and move those people to somewhere else because they're needed to pick up this resource or that resource or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it, it really allows you, it allows you to move things around based on immediate need and long term need. Well, it's a it's a highly granular worker placement board game. Yeah, is what, yeah what's going on there? Totally. Um, there was a trick I found early on where I could double dip work shifts between hunters and, yep. and gatherers yep. <laughs> so they would get home from hunting and immediately go gather yeah because because they, they hunt for home. food at night yeah. and then yeah so that was i felt like i was cheating but it felt, I also felt like the only way to progress so yeah, um, yeah. and it the game doesn't lock it out didn't so. do that i just kept doing that it was like cool so all these dudes are just gonna work forever and never rest yep yeah, the game. This, the game doesn't track their fatigue in any way, does it? Uh, it did at a certain point. Uh, I, I don't know what the fuck happened, but it stopped working at a certain point. But I had grown at that point, so it didn't. Right. Work. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah Keenan mentioned that like bug exploit, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Exploit. I, I I never used it, but like it always just seemed like like if we are able to do this, like clearly the game needs just like one more thing under the hood yeah. to keep track of to make sure you can't do this right because it only seems to like care about individuals in the sick or hungry sense and these other things not in the it's tracking everyone's fatigue yeah. way yeah like or, or well in the other thing it tracks uh, uh their what their hope and whatever discontent discontent there yeah. we go i found that system also i found um a little disappointing at times yeah like i, th- I thought it was like a neat tension until one point, like, I, I went on to, like, kind of a nice stretch of, like, things just kind of went right Things are working, yeah. And, like, our hope was, like, really high and our discontent was really low. And then there was, like, a specific event that was, like, oh, the Londoners are going to yeah. leave. And just, like, half of, like, more than half of my hope just, like, instantly disappeared. Just evaporated. Yeah. yeah, and it's, like, okay. So, obviously, the event says set hope value to 10 right. when this event triggers. And I was just, like, I don't know. It... In a game that's all about like managing the, the, you know, this is like type of complaint I've brought to management games yeah. before on this podcast. Is like in a game that's all about like managing these systems to put in like these kind of cheaty like these scripted things, scripted things yeah. like feels like 
it's calling it like a slap in the face is I feel is like being a little overly dramatic, but it kind of validates feels, a lot of your effort. Yeah, yeah. Like it, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, and that's totally a valid frustration. Um, I also thought it was really funny that like I had like a town where it was like a population of like several hundred people or whatever. And we got the Londoners down really low yeah. to where there was like three of them. Yeah. And we are still like every day coming to the manager manager of the settlement and being like, the Londoners, they're thinking about yeah. leaving the three guys. The three guys. Yeah. Let them leave. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, dude, shut up. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Fucking go. Tell them, kick them out. Yeah. Like, um, give them 30 food when, and see how long they last. When did this game come out? I want to say like 2019. Okay. 2018. Uh, I feel like I, if I had played this in the Obama era, yeah, I would have really enjoyed it. <laughs> but in the Trump era, it just felt like a chore. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy my time with it, unfortunately. I and think I, yeah, I think I it's a product I can't of exactly time. Exactly, put my finger on why. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just didn't jive with me. I don't know what the fuck. That's fair. Yeah. So, like the thing I thought was like genuinely the most interesting thing about this game is that like steampunk media like has this like fundamental failure at its core where it's never actually interested in interrogating like the material conditions yeah. around like industrialization yeah. and, and things like that. Putting kids to work. Yeah. yeah and yeah. like, and like the era that it fetishizes and that's like literally all this, this game is game. interested in yeah. is about like the exploitation of labor and like, and, and like forceful power from above. Sure. Um, it, it like, and like how you exert that, the methods you choose yeah. and Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's all these people I used to watch play Hearts of Iron who were, like, ostensibly in their real lives, like, politically, you know, center left or left. Um, and they would always play fascist because it's the best way to play that Because the mechanics sure. of yeah. it yeah. are advantageous. It's the best way to play Hearts of Iron yeah. is to be a fascist. Um, and so, yeah, was, I... I, I I think I have a similar relationship. Fascism is easy mode in video yeah, games. Yeah, well, it's easy mode in real life, too. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Fucking yeah, yeah. Um, with this game, I feel like I have a similar relationship to it that I do with like really high quality horror movies, like like The Ring, mm-hmm. where I'm like, yeah, well done, you did right. a good job, you accomplished your goals artistically, you did what you were seeking yeah. to do. But I don't want to watch that. Right, you you mm. recognize it for its achievement, but it's not your thing. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I really liked a lot of the artistic aspects of this game, even when I was frustrated with the gameplay. Like okay. the music's real good. I was um I was surprised that the enormous robotic spires didn't piss me off. <laughs> oh, they're great. Yeah, yeah, they're the, fine. The automatons inc- require almost no working with <laughs> as a player, and that is delightful. The thing I found uh um, oh I just meant aesthetically. But oh yeah, the thing I found kind of refreshing in this game is that like. I'm very used to, in a lot of games of, like, if you build a building and it costs, like, 10 of this and 5 of this and 1 of these, you do not get 10 of this, 5 of this and 1 of these back if you deconstruct it. And in this game, you always just get a perfect amount of resources back every single time. exactly how to take it apart perfectly. They're using every part of the bird. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, in, in my playthrough, I found I often had a huge surplus of labor that I had a lot, like, more people than I knew how to use effectively. And, and so it meant that, like, it, it was very easy on the fly to like, it's like, Oh, I need a steam core to build this. And I definitely need it like kind of more than this other thing I already built with the steam core. So we're just going to go disassemble that. And so like it, it, it felt like my whole town yeah. was like made out of Legos that could be like disassembled and reassembled whenever yeah. I needed. Yeah. The, the, the tools at your disposal in this game feel really good for it being a plate spinner game in mm-hmm. that 
in that those resources stick around or that you can say, I might need this building later. I'm just going to turn it off mm -hmm. or, you know, like, and like those buildings don't degrade and need to yeah. be, because like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like in a lot of games, like if you switch off a building in the bitter cold and abandon yeah. it and don't heat it, the next time you go use it, you're gonna have to repair it before you use it or right. something like that. The game, or... the game seems really interested in making sure you understand the weight of your decisions going forward. Yeah. Of how each yeah. individual, like, especially on the edicts page, um, how each of those effects a playthrough. Yeah. You know, um, I've, I, I thought that was like whoever sat down and wrote that white paper, you know, good job. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it does a good job of that, except I think at the very beginning, um, I think the early tutorialization of this game is fucking horrendous. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you've always hated tutorials, right? So. Yeah, but like I, I just I, I feel like I, I booted this game up in, in good faith like four or five times when I first <laughs> tried to play it and and um, basically like in soft locked my save like over and over, not really understanding what I was doing wrong. Yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a, a save I did where I fucked up the order of like hospitals or something, and we just we just kind of started like illness spiraling early in the game. Yeah, and it was just like oh cool, the save is over because I didn't pick the right order. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like on one of mine, it was like oh lots of people are sick. You can either pledge to build some hospitals or what was it? It was uh, pledge to build some housing, pledge to build housing for half the people, or pledge to build housing for all the people. And I said half. And then roughly forty five percent of my people died, but I had still I'm still on the hook for, annoying, yeah. for building forty houses. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it, it doesn't that. reset. It is not on. a dynamic percentage. It's yeah. like I've agreed to build houses for half the people that were alive when I agreed to yeah. do it. <laughs> it's so fucked up that the, that the people take a snapshot of your promises. Yeah. yeah. I wish we held politicians to yeah. that standard in real life. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. And so like I, I really liked... Uh, there's a lot of really interesting visual indicators in this game. If there is snow on the roof of a house, it is too cold. Yeah. People will get sick in that house. Yeah, you can you can look and just know yeah, what's going it's on. It's incredibly readable. Yeah. Um, One thing I find extremely unreadable about it, though, is many of its buildings are indistinguishable from each other, yeah. or, or very nearly so at a glance. Yeah. It, it's tarps, pieces of wood, and yeah. snow. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and also, there's many buildings that have... And, Normally, I would celebrate this in a game where, like, there are many buildings where uh, uh, they have more than one type of appearance yeah. mm -hmm. for the same building. Yeah. And so it makes the readability of your town even worse. And I get why you put that in a game. It makes it so your game doesn't look like it's made out of toys. Yeah. Like, like so they're not, like, identical little, sh like, shanty shacks. Yeah. But also, it's like, I can't tell the the medical tent from the from this uh, housing tent next to it. From right. the, the, the cook house. The, the cook house. Yeah. And, like, well, I think it's also, like... Normally in this type of game, you tell based on like silhouette, mm -hmm. right? And first of all, those silhouettes are going to be, they're going to vary a little bit because of the variance system you're talking about, but also because the camera can rotate freely yeah, um, in any direction. So there's no, you don't have a reference point on any of these buildings. Yeah. I feel like color could have been used better in this context. Yeah, but the color has to be white and brown. Well, so. or, or it has <laughs> to poke out of it in yeah. ways that, yeah. I feel like the, uh, some of the hunters buildings had like green tarps yeah. and other buildings didn't, mm -hmm. but it, was, it wasn't. It's too little too late yeah yeah um and then and then it's it's weird because that alleviates itself a lot when you get into the higher tech buildings because the higher tech buildings are so different from those early oh buildings. yeah absolutely um but but that the early stuff is hard to read doesn't help what you're talking about about the early game being brutal i i, I would say like dealing with learning how to get through the early game is the biggest hump yeah, in this that's game a, that's definitely a hurdle 
and then and then the end point is just did you prepare enough i didn't really think about how this kind of like survival management thing has a lot in common with like roguelites yeah you know yeah especially in the i definitely approach it as a run type game yeah um, Although this is not a game where I feel good when my run ends. Yeah, yeah. It's not like Hades where you're like, oh, well, I learned things. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, fuck this. I can't. I have to restart. Well, this, this <laughs> game has the Fallout style ending where it uh, mentions things you did along the way, mm. um, and it it very clearly has markers for certain things, like because uh, it does sort of like a timeline look back when you finish. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point they're like, and then we had to eat soup, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a bad thing, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. And then, like, five more events happen. They're like, and then we stopped eating soup. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't really understand that soup was this much of a negative until the ending of the game called it out explicitly. Well, yeah, because they're eating nothing but soup. Yeah. <laughs> Not stew. No, soup. Yeah. Explicitly designed to stretch your food stores. Yeah. yeah. We put uh, protein in the soup. Yep. <laughs> Turned it a color. Yep. <laughs> not a pleasant color yeah it's an unpleasant color yeah uh and when it comes back up it's gonna be that same color yeah so. also the <laughs> the storm at the end of the game is a total motherfucker oh, I, yeah. I started the storm with like 450 people and we got out of the storm with like 180 people <laughs> yeah that's about yeah my losses by the yeah. end of the game it's like it's like i won ish <laughs> well the other thing is like when the storm starts hitting there's it felt like there wasn't like even like actually that much to do no you just it's, it's have like to have it's like things. oh the hunters can't hunt so i guess i should tell them to stop using the hunter buildings because they're just like freezing their balls off for no fucking reason yeah and it's like we already have the resources that we have right so i, I guess i just run the clock yeah. and respond to crises as they come up there was definitely a i need to ride this out feel once yeah. i got used you, to it you gotta ride the scorp man yeah <laughs> Ride the Scorp was a reference to Fallout 2, in which we did not have any antidotes. So we had to ride <laughs> no, the Scorp. No, it was, a, it was a, a Fallout tabletop RPG. No, wasn't it? Wasn't it? You were playing, you were in the Temple of Trials. And your character, my character, I was sitting on your couch. I got hit with scorpion venom. I didn't have any antidote. And so you were just like, you just got to wait, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you hit T. You wait four hours. You ride the Scorp. And my HP, my HP went, woo <laughs> Because I was doing a, I was doing a uh, endurance build. I had, yeah. ma- I had enough HP to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I I like Frostpunk. I'm curious to see like what kind of uh, what kind of things Frostpunk Two is going to have. Because the DLC, I haven't played very many of them. But what I've seen about the DLC of this game is that they take sort of core mechanics of the game and tweak them. Mm. Um, the one DLC I did change, play, change the scenario a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So the one DLC I did play, you're in a different town, so your map's different which already like changes things, yeah. right? But then the thing that that game is doing, that scenario is doing is there are there is a constant influx of people coming. And so I thought it was a really interesting choice for first scenario after the main game because you've learned how to juggle, now learn how to juggle while we're constantly throwing people at you. Mm-hmm. It's like every 5 days just like 20 more people. And it's like that's really cool for the times in the main scenario where I was like I need more people. But when it keeps happening, it creates different problems. Yeah, um, it's diff- different growing pains. Yeah, the last yeah. DLC for the game is called The Last Autumn, and it is, um, it's you creating the generators. Mm. And so narratively, it is sort of the prequel to explain how we got here. And they do this thing where the resources change, the hope and discontent change, um, and it's very much like a workers' rights mm. like type thing. Okay, 
Uh, one of the DLCs is that uh, your communists who took over a, a generator instead of, you know, ostensibly rich people from London. Sure. Um, um, you, you guys know that, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan's battle was with the Air Traffic Controllers Union. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who Maggie Thatcher was fighting? Who? Coal Miners Union. Oh. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, that makes this game make more sense. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was the lens through which I was viewing yeah. it. So no, I just wanted fair. to share that. Uh, well, and like we already know that that from the one video they put out, like Frostpunk 2 is going to be about oil. Oh, okay. Um, through just more, uh, even more direct metaphors. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious like how oil changes the game play, right? Like what, what makes that different? How do we approach that differently? Ask, um, ask the Bush presidents. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> which, uh, did you guys choose order or faith? Uh, faith. Yeah. Order. Order. Okay. Yeah. I played Hearts of Iron. I played both. Yeah. Um, they, I think they both work, uh, but you have to approach them very differently, which I thought was interesting. Uh, faith is really nice because there's a lot of free bonuses. Yes. Yeah, your buildings just have buttons, and you just hit them on yep. cooldown. Yeah, and you don't have to put people and in them. And they make your city feel better. Yeah, the church just runs. You don't have to put people in it. That's cool. But in order, everything needs people, um, which I thought was interesting. But also, I think the bonuses from it are stronger. I, I was um, I was interested in making the Londoners' lives miserable. Oh, yeah. So I picked orders. No, orders the way. So we could yeah. do uh, watchtowers. Yeah, watchtowers. Neighborhood watch. Put them in a prison. Yeah, yeah. Now we had like weird cadres of priests that would I could the deploy. faith keepers yeah the faith keepers yeah. I could like deploy on people and they like, go break your knuckles or yeah. something I don't yeah <laughs> no I really liked like all the flavor in this game I think it I think it has a very specific mood that rub I don't. A, rub a lump of coal on your knuckles until they bleed is the event where um, the mines are going to collapse during the storm is that something everyone gets I think so I, I got some sort of event where like some sort of I forget what it was exactly but they were just like. If we don't send a bunch of people off to their deaths in the mines, yeah, like the production of these mines will be reduced permanently by yeah. like forty percent. Because like, yeah, I, f- I forget if it's going to like collapse or freeze or something. I think it's there to to tell you that you need to stockpile coal. Mm-hmm. Is I think the idea because there's a ton of things like that, right? Like we, yeah. were, we were talking about the Londoners and that sort of stuff. Like there are all of these set points in the game where it's basically checking, like, did you do enough? Did you do enough? Yeah. Well, I mean, with this, it was it basically. Uh, attention of like do you have enough coal stockpiled which is like a really hard thing to gauge yeah um or are you willing to sacrifice like a, a non right a, a, a significant part of your population yeah, to keep the CK2 mines decision which yeah. resource would you like to keep well and, yeah. and then the weird thing about this game is like when you lose people you need less of every resource yeah so sometimes it's actually the decision yeah you want. I, I like, mean like my, my study at that time had enormously more workers than we needed yeah so like it doesn't feel good as a person to click sure, that button, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But, like, but if that's what the city needs, that's what you do. Well, and like we had one where like the generator was going to blow, and like the option it gave me was like, yeah, so we need to get into this like tight space, and the only way we could do it is like we send a child in. Hell yeah! And like yeah, we'll, we'll probably we'll almost certainly die. Yeah. And, like, do we want to send a kid off to their death? Yes. Build like, a statue. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. I saw Rathacon. You know, <laughs> send me into the warp core. I'll yeah. do it. Yeah, I played yeah. Fallout Three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you—I mean, you got the yeah. you know, the radiation at the end, and Fox is like, "This is your destiny." Yeah. He's like, "Broken in, there. just get in there, dude. Yeah. You can just take that in and out. Three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> that situation wouldn't be that bad if he wasn't there. Yeah. Right. Like if it was anyone else. I mean, it would still be bad, but it wouldn't be as excruciating. It wouldn't be frustrating yeah. in the same way. It's it's worse that there's. That he has dialogue written that acknowledges that, that acknowledges people, it. Yeah. That people 
who made this game are aware of this. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Frostpunk's cool. That music's so good. I've been listening to that music separately. Music's really yeah, good. Unfortunately, I don't have the same emotional resonance with with it. That's that fair. You do, yeah. So. No. But like, Pro- probably uh, it's um good orchestral shit. A bit like the alarm clock noise. Mm. Okay. I'm just gonna be reminded. Oh, I have to go be tense for four hours. Yeah. Great. Yeah. This is interesting because uh, um I got a new speaker system right when I started playing Frostpunk, um and for the first few days that I had my new speakers, I couldn't figure out how to turn the bass down on them because somewhat obfuscated by the UI, and so it. Anytime like a very significantly bad thing happens, it like sends this pulse through my subwoofer, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh cool, my downstairs neighbors probably fucking hate me now. Yeah. You fucked up, and they're mad. Yeah, I like, can't play this game late at night. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready for the band standards? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I don't even remember if these are the correct band standards, but we're gonna do them anyway. All right. Um, they're the ones at the bottom. Because I've kept them all. Oh, you kept them? Okay. As a record. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I could just go listen to an old episode. It's the, cool. The it's, it's been a while since we've done this, but yeah. it's whatever. Uh, okay, Star Sector. Star Sector. Yeah. Um, I want to give this not a lot of Star Sector, but I want to give it some. Um, I'm feeling it too. Because I, I, I feel like this is like more narrat- a lot more narratively directed than Star Sector, but it does have like a lot of like fiddly... Well, um, and the dynamic you were talking about where you can um, accidentally completely fucking ruin your Absolutely. Save, yeah. Like, yeah, that's right what I was the really beginning. Oh yeah, that's, on. that's definitely a feeling well, that these and, two games share. And like just every single game piece you can put down on the board has like 20 buttons on it. Like you can go click on every house and like... Yeah. Now. Yeah, turn, yeah. Turn the heaters on and off, yeah. and, and and pick. There's engineers or yeah. workers. Every single every single pawn is positively greebled with options. And yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I want to give this like a, at least like a two or I'm maybe a three. A like I feel in a three, honestly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, Outer Wilds. Mm. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, 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 so like all of this game's storytelling is done extremely explicitly. Yeah. Like you were you like you send out your scouting parties and they go to Tesla City and they just tell you what happened there i mean there's definitely there's an element of like society collapsing as the central theme right but but mm, yeah eh, mm. yeah but it's also like society collapsing in the terms of like people like turning on one another or like giving up which is like no i didn't do that yeah yeah i feel like they're there's similar things approached from very different angles yeah uh yeah so zero yeah yeah, I think okay. so. Okay, we haven't said a number yet. Void Bastards. Void Bastards. I'm actually interested in this one. I think it's a zero, but I want to I talk about why. I Like, on, in a mechanical sense, I, I, I don't see, like, anything, like, in the sure. gameplay that overlaps much with Void Bastards. I think thematically. Yeah, yeah, thematically, there's a little bit of, like, the dehumanization of, of like, the worker. The and, labor. And, and the, yeah, yeah, like, expendability and things like that. But even that, I feel like I'm kind of reaching a little bit here. Yeah. That's a that's a Keenan style reach for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. No, that's Final, cool. Final Fantasy. Uh, yeah, I'm hard zero. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I don't even want to try. Hitman. Setup. Both these games are about setup. It's about like thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I can see that. Like, like it's it's at least a one in that like 
See, if you set it up right, it goes off without at, a hitch. Look at him. He immediately redeemed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's, that's that's the thing that both of these like. Okay, that's that, the only place the Venn diagram overlaps. I could, in my I could head. feel a one. I could be argued to a two. Why, why are you feeling I, about that? I don't have a reason for a two. Okay, so I, a one. I, I feel yeah. a one. Okay. Yeah, like like it's it's just it's and it's completely different methods of setup. It's completely different goals, but like. This game wants set up. All right. Well, so the player character is like the administrator of this settlement. Yeah. So the, the administrator of the Frostpunk settlement yeah. now has to make cheeseburgers in Overcooked. In Overcooked. Um, how's that go? That goes great. I think I, he I, yells. Just, like, industrializes. I think he yells at everyone to do stuff and doesn't do anything himself. But I think it works. Yeah, it works out. Yeah, um, he sends all his burger flippers to their deaths, but everyone gets fed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You might be eating some long pig. Yeah, there's uh, a few burgers yeeted across the chasm that don't make it to the window, but it's fine because we're putting out enough burgers. It's it doesn't matter. We'll make it up in volume. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what's uh, What's the next game we're playing? Uh, we're gonna play Unpacking. Okay. Which is a retro pixely sort of art style game about um, unpacking boxes and moving into a new home um, over and over again. Okay. Um, my understanding is that like you can sort of infer things about this person's life as you each time they move into a new oh. place. Like oh, so, it's like gone home rapidly. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the first. Oh, so we're experiencing moves and time skips. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. like they're they're moving into their dorm. They're moving into their first apartment with. The oh, first okay, job. cool. Oh, oh, wow. They they have a queen size bed now. Moving in, like they must have someone in their life. Oh, they don't have a queen size bed. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. Like, okay. What what kind of person would be interested in playing this game? Do you think? I have no idea. I've never played this game. Okay, but like uh, prognosticate, bro. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Us, all yeah, three yeah, of us. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but like like it, it's like a uh, it's a game that seems like it's very like satisfying and soothing to like arrange things in the right place. Like like if you're like a this is what I was looking organized for. and directed person, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was looking yeah. for. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to give the audience maybe a little more to latch onto than. Uh, Anyway, um, Zane sent us an email. Oh, yeah. yeah Zane. Zane um, Thank you, Zane, for sending you, Zane. us an email. Well, so it's an email that's specifically responding to a question that Matt uh, asked aloud into mm. a microphone uh, weeks and weeks ago, mm. where we were talking about the type of game that like courts um, streamers. Oh, where the game didn't play- we already talk about this? Or maybe not on we, camera? We did not talk about it on air. Okay. Um, uh, we realized after the last time we recorded a podcast that we had an email and and failed sure. to read it but anyway matt asked aloud this idea of like what do you call the game that seems to be like directly courting like streamers and youtubers yeah. and like stuff an like audience that. participation the, the crab fighting game yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 and so, so zane zane posited that uh we call these games isotopic rage games they have a short half-life and are generally neon infectious and they propagate outsized reactions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay yeah yeah, yeah. no hey. i'm hearing fall guys and yeah. all kinds of shit here yeah, yeah. fall guys oh, amogus amogus <laughs> zane said uh various other nice things about the podcast and sent us a picture of his dog so if you want to see zane's dog it's going to be in the show notes mm-hmm. um it's a, it's a funny looking like little it looks very surprised to be having its picture taken the, the dog is very uh stretched out yeah elongated dog yeah it's like a a thin version of mr bubs if anyone understands that reference. Are we talking about Bubsy? No, the dog. I love you, Mr. Bubs. I don't know who Mr. Bubs is. Um, no, I get we'll it. We'll show you afterwards. Okay. Anyway, um, look that up, people. Yeah. Um, is it is it Magic Words time, or do y'all have anything else to say to the oh, audience no, before no, we leave? That's it. Okay. Cool. We're on Twitter, at Bad Playstyle. Where else are we on the internet? Uh, 
Uh, you can find us at shame.club or shame.business or anywhere where podcasts are hosted. Right. If you want to contact us and send us unsolicited images or uh, video game shorthand uh, that you like nomenclature, like, okay. like isotopic rage games. Yeah. Um, you can contact us at badplaystyle@gmail.com. I'd love to see more takes from the audience. Yeah, yeah. maybe that. maybe we'll have a reason to build a wiki. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said reason, not cause. Uh, okay. Yeah. Name. Hey, that's fair. Um, <laughs> audience, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope that you enjoy the next one too, and we'll see you then. All right. Later. Goodbye. and more like it at soundcloud.com slash Bay. That's B-U-C-C-I-B-A-E. Stay fresh.